Welcome to Leadership on the Go, a podcast brought to you by the Cranfield alumni team, where we speak to former Cranfield students to understand their experience of leadership in real-world situations. Hello, I'm Jenny Robinson, a researcher in mindfulness and leadership. Today I'm interviewing Sandra kresberger Senegoy, an alumnus of Cranfield School of Management, and she's returned to Cranfield to complete her PhD. Sandra has a really interesting story to share because as a small business owner, her leadership skills are targeted to building and strengthening client relationships. Listening back to this interview, I'm really struck by her emphasis on asking powerful questions and the importance of knowing ourselves. I really hope you enjoy listening to Sandra and learning from her leadership story. So welcome to our podcast. Thanks for coming along. I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you come to be associated with Cranfield. Yeah, thank you for inviting. Um, my name is Sandra krisberg Sinigoy. Currently, I am second year PhD student in the management and leadership program at Cranfield. And previously, I had graduated executive master's in managing organizational performance. So this is my uh, association with Cranfield previously and currently. Thank you. And one of the things that Cranfield prides itself on is having practical application of academic concepts. And when you and I have talked in the past, you have really appreciated that. So could you say something about when you were on the master's program, how you translated what you were learning into practice? How did you take that back into the workplace? Mm -hmm. Well, when I was doing my master's here, it was actually a very crucial period of my professional life because I was uh, exiting the first career being in corporate uh, world for quite a long time, did beautiful career. So the beginning of a master still coincided with um, being in Tetra Pak, where I used to work before and, and working with global clients and starting my, my own career, being self-employed, starting up my consultancy, basically completely changing everything. And master's was a kind of a joint moment for both careers and, and a bridge which helped me to, trans, uh, to make the transition from one career into another one. So I used masters and very practical methods like success map, still being in Tetrapack and building um, global account strategy together with a team, and then using the same methods and helping already other customers to do the same or similar things. So it's a very practical and very confidence-building experience I had while I was doing my master's in Cranfield. And I know that the work that you're in now is soft skills, and soft skills aligns beautifully with the book that we're writing on coaching and leaders being coaches. So I'm going to try and find that alignment between us. Can you tell us a bit about how you are using what you've learned at Cranfield, either on that program or on your current program, and how you use that in your business life today? I think let's start from the very practicalities. The master's I took, it was very applicable, even though there's this 
still image that all the masters in academia is extremely academic and esoteric and you can't do any tangible thing out of it. I think the masters I took, it was so practical that basically every time I came back from the module I spent in Cranfield, I just could take those tools, those methods and apply instantly, be it in a corporation I worked in the beginning or later when I changed the careers and starting consultancy. So basically lots of exercises, a lot of approaches and methods I use in, in my current consultancy work are coming from, from the masters I took here. So I need us to get practical because that's what Cranfield's about. Can you give us an example of, you said every time you came back from Cranfield to your job, let's go back into the corporate world, for example, and think about what did you do? First thing, what I'm in right now, and I've been extremely passionate also before, are emotions. Emotions in organization and, and on the individual level. Do we accept them? Do we ignore them? How do we deal with them? Both on the individual level and organizational level. And I think it's extremely important to become more aware that emotions are the driving force for everyone. But uh, when we speak about the masters and, uh, and tangible things coming out of the master program, I think there was one module which was life changer, seriously, which <laughs> really made my and me look at the world completely different, in a completely different way, which was decision-making. However, before I continue, I need to say that before my master's in Cranfield, I had completed another master's still back in Riga uh, in dance movement therapy, uh, which might be a bit closer to the coaching concept as such as it says and speaks a lot about the internal resources, speaks about awareness inside and outside. And at the end of the day, it speaks about the faith and belief you put into the process. Even if you don't know the outcome, you still believe that process and will flow nicely and you will reach an outcome that is suitable for everyone. So these are the things that came from my previous master's and then it blended up with decision-making and all the other beautiful modules we had in, in our master's in Granfield. Everything I learned there, it kind of changed my worldview. And a couple of things really are essential from those times. Believe that everyone has the resources, all the resources I need, including myself. Just being very reliant on, on the resources I have. And awareness that I have to be aware what is happening in me and what is happening outside of me. And I think these are the two pillars that build this belief and facing process that you might not know the ending point, but you just trust the things, how they are flowing. I think this is important when we speak about the soft skills, because of course also masters in front field, and particularly in the module of decision making, was a life changer for me, really. That was like, oh, that's completely... But it had already built on this worldview, put it so, or the, the perception of the world, uh, which was based in dance movement therapy. So it's a big mix. Mm. And it's, it's very difficult to say, okay, this is from Cranfield, this is from Masters, this is from something else. At the end of the day, I'm not that conscious about those soft skills. It just happens to be. So I'm going to key into something you said because it's really integral to the book that we've been writing, which is that everybody has the resources. Everybody knows much more than they are able to express, yes. especially at the beginning. You know, it, it takes a while for people to go inside of themselves and to kind of bring it out. 
And so I'm really curious to understand how you bring that knowledge into your work. So clearly, um, I know that one of your big clients is in Sweden and they're a bank. And so you're not doing dance movement therapy with them. <laughs> no, I don't do dance movement therapy whatsoever. But that, that ethos, how do you bring it to them? How do you help them to understand this concept? And how do you work with them in this way? I think after I returned from Cranfield, after decision-making module, I just realized that no one is good in making decisions, nor me, nor someone else. There is no king of decision-making. We all are very flawed. And since then, I just stopped being afraid, asking stupid questions, because I know that me alone, I can't see the world and no one else can see fully the world. So we really need to discuss and speak and share our perspectives. And the best way of doing this is is sometimes even asking a very stupid question and not being afraid of uh, being looked at in a strange way, put it so. But, but it has proved to be fruitful and very beneficial both in personal terms and also monetary terms when I speak about the business. And can you give me an example of how you've used questions? I, I pick up on questions particularly because... As you may recall, we sent you um, a portion of the book to read in advance of this podcast. Um, We devote an awful lot of time to the issue of questions, and we really encourage leaders in their coaching relationship with others to use questions. How do questions serve you? Right. I can tell you still from the previous life, which is um, food industry, big investments, Uh, agreements with quite a lot of zeros after the first number. And uh, we were discussing a big deal with one of the big customers in the exhibition. And we all assumed that customer knows everything because they were already ready to invest quite a lot of money. And we were having that discussion with the owner of the owner, like the the really big guys. And uh, food technology is quite a male and masculine world. Me in a dress, red hair, everything <laughs> already out of out of normal standards and stereotypes. And at one stage, I started to suspect that they don't know that much about the technology. And I had that liberty to ask a very simple, and at that time, it felt really a stupid question. Do you know what that packaging does when it goes into microwave? No. Okay, let's go and see. So they saw that after two minutes of being in the microwave, that packaging started to whistle. And owner just fell in love with that packaging. And we've got another even bigger deal just because he learned about the packaging that whistled. And it happened just because I ditched that assumption that he knows everything and had the liberty to ask of that stupid question. And we've got a double deal. Fantastic. I don't think there's many people I know who can say that a a dumb question led to another multi-million pound deal. Well, it's not that frequent indeed. (laughs) That that must have been a career high at least. Um, There's another assumption that I'm holding, so I want to explore it, and that is the philosophical underpinnings of this, which are that people know more, they have more than we can ever imagine. Yes, and that questions are one way to encourage them to 
reveal what they do know and to get in touch with that. Yes. Um, and I think that over lunch today we were talking about an interaction you had with a client. Um, there's something about expression that, that I've heard you talk about. So the story was, it was a nice big customer, but it was really difficult to administer all the things with them. And I got to the point that I said, no, I'm not going to do this. But yet again, I know there are emotions and there's a practicalities and rational thinking. And sometimes you just need to deal with both. So I gave a call, and this is another thing. Instead of writing, I did give a call, which is the way you can express yourself much better. And once again, you can ask questions and listen to another party. And I said, look, I do love to work with you as a person, but let's, let's see, there's another layer, which is organization. And I don't see our organizations do work well together. It's just too much hassle for my organization to deal with your organization. And I would like to quit our co- uh, collaboration. But because we had this discussion, because I said, look, it's nothing personal, it's really about organization, and I really made an effort to separate those two levels, like, so there's nothing personal, it's really about organization, so don't take it personally, and I really built that conversation that way, that basically the customers suggested that they would be happy to pay more, but I would stay. Again, I don't know people who've quit and got more. (laughs) So congratulations on that. Um, As we wrap up this podcast, I want to return to practical advice for our listeners and how they can use soft skills, how they can manage change, how they can show up as a leader. You're almost a double alumni of uh, Cranfield, so I'm looking forward to attending your graduation as a PhD. What is your advice from where you sit right now? Our previous conversation really helped me because, of course, many things I'm telling here felt I was not very conscious about the way I was doing until you pointed out on a couple of points, and I really traced back when I started to do things differently. And I think it's when I took, uh, it's not one day process, and it it took a couple of years, which was part of my previous training as dance movement therapist. We had to take personal or private therapy. And it was a couple of years, really. And I don't say that everyone needs to do that. But only at the moment when you become aware what's happening inside of you, you can start to be more efficient with someone else. And only in the moment you realize that you are not perfect, you are able to accept someone else's imperfectness. So I think it's really about increasing that self-awareness and what happens inside is the key for being a good leader. Is it practical enough? I don't know. It's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. And if you'd like to learn more about Phil Renshaw and me, please be sure to visit our website www.coachingonthego.co.uk or jump on Amazon and search for Coaching on the Go where you'll find our latest book. 
Thank you for listening along with us. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, you can find Leadership on the Go on cranfield.ac.uk forward slash alumni, where you can browse our complete archive and check out new episodes.